James chapter 5. And we're going to go ahead and um, we're going to read the next portion of Scripture that we left off on. We finished off on verse um, verse 6. The rich, oppress, or the rich oppressors will be judged and we're going to tackle the next portion of this great epistle here starting with verse number 7. And if you're there, it reads, Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it, re- until it receives the, earthy, the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Verse 10. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word here. We thank you for the availability of it here tonight to us. And most importantly, Father, we have the Spirit of God that will illuminate the written word on paper. And Father, as we've gone through, Father, I know that through your Spirit that you would continue to feed us and give us the practicality of what James has been hitting on throughout his great letter. So Father, we thank you for that. We lean on you tonight. We've come to be taught by you. We've come to receive by you. And we wouldn't expect anything less from it tonight, Father. We thank you. In your Son's name, all the saints here are in agreement. If you are, say Amen. Y'all may be seated. Here, starting with verse 7. And, and, and the heading would be, uh, be patient and persevering. And it's in line with what, flowing with the flow that we've seen throughout the, the epistle of James. And remember chapter 1, James hit on this perseverance. But there's a change of gears here that James does here in, in chapter 5, starting with verse 7. And what he's focusing on is very simply how to face trials patiently. Patiently. But we're going to dig a little deep on what he's referring to here because there is a change of gears in what James is trying to refer to here, a different thought that he had than when he started the, the book, started the letter in, in, in chapter 1. So we, we obviously here don't need to be reminded because James has been doing a pretty good job at it in reminding us that, that we all have trials on this earth, right? We all face difficulties in this earth. So anyway, we don't need to be reminded, right, that we, we know if you've been on this planet any length of time and, this, and, and we see it throughout Scripture, especially the psalmist mentions it time and time again, this life is filled with trouble. It's filled with trouble. And for some reason I was under the notion, but while I kind of assumed the reason was from bad teaching, from different Christians that would give the message, when I came to this Christian rock, for some reason I had a delusion that Jesus was going to just make all the ugly go away in my life. And what, I didn't fully understand that. I thought, okay, the troubles that I'm going through now, if I get my life right with God and accept His call, that He's going to make life a lot better for me. 
maybe I'll have one of those fancy cars like I see those preachers driving and live in a mansion like them and I won't have to be, you know. And I had this notion, but the reality of it is that none of those problems ever went away. I still face the same struggles that and we all do of someone that is unregenerate. We still face those earthly material problems that the pressures of this life bring us, right? But not only that, there's added persecution when you give your life to Christ. Not, not only you have to deal with the everyday men uh, uh, trials of everyday life of being a human, when you accept the call of God, when He calls you and snatches you out and wakes you up, from the dead, there's an added persecution that's added to you. Now, I've learned that the only difference is now, well, the biggest, and it is a huge difference, is that even though I have the same problems and some more added to me, they don't mean anything to me no more like they used to. I don't have, I didn't have the peace that I have now when I go through. I can go through something and it's like, so what? Because I realize that this is a temporary thing here. And I have peace that surpasses even my own understanding when it comes to the, the trials of life. So we don't need to be reminded. But what we do need to be reminded of constantly is that when we're going through a trouble, when we're going through a trial in life, we need to practice patience. That's what we do need to be reminded of. But we do have to be reminded to, to remain patient when we're going through the, the trials of life. And the Christian has, we kind of have a unique, unique trials other than those of the world. Because we, we, have, we have an added persecution. And that is, and, and scripture makes it clear, what is that added persecution? It's being persecuted for the sake of Christ. That's, that's a persecution that the world does not receive, but we receive. And so, James is going to switch some gears here. And he's going to refer to, and let's remember, we'll flow through this. He's coming off of here, we just came off of verses 5 and 6, and he's talking about how the wicked, evil, wealthy people of this world, how they take advantage of the righteous poor. And how the righteous poor are taken advantage of even in the courts. And, and he covers all this. And... Um, it's one thing to suffer trials and problems and persecutions because of, just because it's a part of life. But it's another, it's a little different when you are going through something, a persecution, because of your faith. It's another thing to be done wrong when you were in the right, trying to do the right thing, trying to do your best, and still suffer persecution. That's a different story here. And that is a difficult trial to go through. So James is, is kind of wrapping all this up and summing all this up. And he's writing this letter because obviously these scattered Jews that were abroad that he was writing to were obviously being persecuted for the sake of Christ. It was obvious. This, this suffering that the rest of the world does not have to endure. So he's addressing this now. We see him addressing the evil, wealthy, and now he's changing his, his focus on, on the poor righteous. The poor righteous. So we see this. And the righteous, 
here is we remember in context as we read at the beginning of verse of, of chapter five, um, they they don't retaliate when they're done wrong. I'm kind of wrapping a lot of stuff up that we covered, but he points that out that the right the righteous poor that was being taken advantage of did not retaliate. Okay? They don't he kind of highlighted they don't fight back with a vengeance, with payback. Now I'm preaching to myself as I'm going through this because it's part of the human nature we want to get back, especially when you have been done wrong, unrightfully wrong. When you have done nothing to deserve what you're going through and have taken the higher road and people still do you wrong. Ooh, we, we, may, we may do a good job at hiding it, but boy, deep down, we just can't wait. Amen? Talk to myself. I got to control that. I got to control it. Just wait. I'm waiting for the day uh, when, as the Lord spited me and corrected me, that I can walk up to individuals and shake their hand with a sinister grin. And even throw a God bless you in there. Uh, maybe you probably all ain't as twisted as me. So I shouldn't taint your righteousness with my wrongdoings. Amen. So in order to be like these righteous poor that he's, that he's coming off of here, he's saying that the, these evil people take advantage of you and do you wrong, but you don't retaliate against them. In order to do that, we must practice Patience. We must practice patience. So we see here in verse 7 the statement that James writes, Therefore, be patient, brethren. And we know because we've been in this Bible teaching church long enough, therefore is because of what the context that was just spoken. Because you've been done Wrong, and you it was un, unjustly you've been done unjustly wrong. He says that because of that, you need to practice patience. Right. So the following verses here in the in context of the letter that James is writing is dealing with having this patience. We're going to dig into that having this patience in the midst of this certain. Tr- type of trial obviously we know because of history and because of what we learned in, in chapter 1 that this who the group that James was writing to remember he was writing to Jewish believers right in Christ that were scattered abroad and this is who he was addressing and now in verse 7 this is who he's who he's talking to now he was talking to the evil wealthy and now he's talking to God's righteous people. So they were obviously, because of the context and what we see in the previous chapters, they were obviously facing, we know they were facing temptations, we know that they were facing afflictions, and we know they were facing some type of persecution. And so they needed to know, as James begins to wrap up this letter to them, they needed to, to learn how to operate with patience. 
you this is a practical tool, very simple tool that we all need as Christians on this earth. It's it's a reality of the created order of things on this planet. It's 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 just the reality that this life brings a whole mess of troubles. Get a grip on it, get over it and get used to it. This life will continue to bring trouble. It cannot be eliminated. It cannot be eliminated. So James knowing this, he and throughout scripture, it's not only James, but James knowing this, he gives us a piece of the puzzle in being able to endure this trouble. Amen. So he's going into this, he's instructing them, you've got to remain patient. I know what you guys are going through right now, and I'm gonna give you a word, some practical practical advice to remain patient as you're going through what you're going through. And this is a great passage of scripture in instructing us on how to do that. But as we continue on from the first part of verse 7, therefore be patient, we need to understand what he is referring to. Too too often than none, we kind of jump over these words, not fully understanding because we can get this word patience confused with hippomone that we saw in chapter 1, which basically means having the ability to, to overcome a storm or a trial in life. You're going through a trouble and having the ability to withstand that trouble and still be standing with your faith in God through that trouble. But this word patience here that, that James uses here in verse 7 it translates, if you look it up, it's not the same hippomone that we found in chapter 1. Huh, so okay, so what is, what's he referring to? And it, it all falls together when you see this and understand the context of what he just came off of and what he's going into. This word actually translates long, to suffer long. Suffer long, long, temp, long tempered. Long-tempered. It's, it's the opposite. Now, this is where it starts to make sense. This word is opposite of being short-tempered. When someone's short-tempered, we may have some a crew, a, a, a crew in here that's short-tempered. We may have the, the, the crew's president in here, too. I don't know. But, you know, when you're short-tempered, anything sets you off. You get set off easy. Well, this... This word patience is long-tempered. It takes a lot for you to fly off the handle. Patience. And here in its context, in, 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 in verse, verse number 7, this is what it means according to the lexicon. It says, to defer anger, refusing to retaliate with anger because of human Reasoning. Okay, James. Now I know what you're what you're talking about. Though the rest of the context makes sense to me now. This is being long tempered. It's having. It's James is trying to give us the thought or the idea of showing patience. Listen, showing patience by enduring hostile people. Does anybody know any hostile people that you're around? 
Does anybody know any irritating people that just know how to hit the right button with you every single time? You just see them and they hit that button of yours. And you try to fight it. You try to do the right thing. You try to do the Christian thing and walk in love. And you, 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 as soon as they open their mouth there, you, they just get on your last nerve. A lot of times that's just us, right? But there's some people that are very hostile towards even, especially believers. There's some people out there, as hard as it may seem for me, because I'm scanning through the room, there's some people out there that just don't like you. And I don't understand that. How I can't see anybody. I can't picture that. But they just don't like you. And they're hostile. See, this is the thought here. Therefore, because of that, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. You put all this in context. It flows with verse 6. It, and it makes it makes now sense in, in the thought that James is trying to get across here in his letter to these scattered believers that, that, that were scattered abroad. And understand this, that this patience that James is referring to is just as important as having patience in circumstances. Just as we must have patience and endurance in a trial, it's just as important that we have patience and and endurance with people. There's some people that you purposely avoid because you just don't have patience with them. I'm taking this a step further. And James doesn't get into the weeds as much. But this is the thought. is what I'm trying to tell you. James is obviously referring to the people that are oppressing them. But I know it goes beyond that as we take it as a whole in Scripture. We as Christian people must, must show patience. How do we know this? There, I can remember several key individuals that have God put in my path in this Christian journey of ours. In the church. I remember them having a heart for the ministry and ministering to the kids. And nobody wanted to work with these young men because they were different. They just, they, yeah, on the surface, it may seem like they had a few screws loose. And if you sit there trying to have a conversation, the conversation's got kind of monotonous and it's kind of a conversation that you have no idea why he's telling you that, but you're going to do the Christian thing and listen. And there was people that just purposely avoided these kids. I'm not saying this to show you all, oh, John, you're such a cute man. You're a Christian of the month here. But I remember these things. And I remember how God showed me, man, what? you got to be God, God. I put these people in front of you and we worked with them. And they ended up being, a. to this day, they're some of the biggest blessings in my life when I see these guys. They're, they're still around, still serving the Lord with all their heart. And they, they're such a big blessing in my life. But listen, if I were to follow the flesh and brush these cats off because I just didn't have the patience with them. I'm here to tell you, saints, as us as believers, true, genuine believers, we must show patience with people. 
And on top of that, we need to take it to the highest level, as James points out here, that we need to remain patient with hostile people as well. Whatever the trial is, whatever the persecution is, whatever the adversity is, we must be patient. This is truly, as James is continually going through this epistle, this is a truly a test of genuine faith. A true test of... This, this ought to show, we ought to be able to look at our lives and it's another way to look and see what true living faith looks like in the life of a believer. Amen? Now, let's get to the hard part. Kind of, I'm kind of giving you the good side of it. The easier side. But what about those that oppress you? What about those that do you wrong? I'm almost ready to go hide under the chair right now. What about those people who oppress you in a trial? Who caused the trial to come upon you? Who were the cause of it? What do you do then? Do you retaliate? Do you do opposite of what's mentioned in in verses 5 and 6? Okay. I told you that it's accountability. Now that you know, and James is bringing this stuff up to us, now that we know we're accountable to this now, we're accountable to this kind of mentality, to this kind of characteristic, towards people who oppress you. Now, we're not saying that you're to go out and bake them a cake and make them cookies, but if, if God tells you, you better do it. But understand what I'm saying here. And if we're not, if we're responding in a retaliated type of way, as the flow of the whole epistle's going, maybe we need to check ourselves to see if, you know, we're truly in the faith. Because I'm telling you, it's not easy to restrain against those type of people. It's, it's almost a knee-jerk reaction to retaliate. It's a human emotion. You're going to have these emotions, but what are you going to do when you're un, unjustifiably abused and misused by evil people? Look at here in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32. It says here, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Here's such a wise word. He that is slow to anger, long-tempered. He that shows patience. He is better than the mighty. Stronger than the mighty. Stronger than Pat, if you can believe that, with all those muscles that he's got. Because, and the thought is here, exactly what James is hitting on, it's a very difficult thing to do. Amen? So patience is enduring those who mistreat us, and you not getting angry and full of vengeance because of it. Is that even possible, men? You women are a lot stronger than us men, and maybe you can do it, but... Is that even possible to do? Obviously it is because James is addressing it. 
And we know that he's addressing the believers because it's a believer is the only one that can practice this in their life because it takes the Spirit of God to overcome this flesh. So we know that he's addressing the believers. We know that it is possible because James is addressing the Spirit of God is bringing this up to him. So we see here as James instructs us not only to to endure uh, during difficult times, but he's telling us to endure when we're irritated by difficult people. Remain patient. This is a truly a good test of our spirituality and our growth in the Lord to see how this is progressing in our life. How do we combat these feelings? These are not easy feelings of vengeance when we're done wrong unrightfully these are not easy to 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 uh, practice it's not easy to to hold back these feelings of vengeance so how do we do this james points james does the homework for us and points out some very practical means that we can use tonight that we can write down and we can use how to accomplish being patient with people during trial the first means that James ref- that calls out here that we are to use very practical is by anticipating the Lord's coming. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. How do we do it? By living in a way that we anticipate the Lord's coming. Realize <clears throat> that your situation is not always going to be like this. This is temporary. Unless, unless you truly don't believe he's coming back. This is temporary. Sometimes we, we long and we earn for the second coming of Christ because we have an overwhelming love for him. Sometimes. That's the key. There may be some in you in here that long for the coming of Christ primarily and only because of your love for him. What do you mean, John? Most of us anticipate, the drive to anticipate his second coming is, is derived, the more we suffer in this world, the more we anticipate his second coming. It's the pain of this life that brings the drive for our anticipation of the second coming. Am I making sense? The more trouble you go through, that's your drive. Lord, just get me out of this place. That's why James is referring to, this is what he's referring to. When he says, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. We are called to be watchful. We covered this a few weeks ago in our essentials class of the second coming. And we learned that we're, the Christian is called to be watchful. To be anticipating the second coming. The second coming should not catch any believer by surprise. The timing, but we should not be surprised and like shocked that it happened. When it happens, we should say, finally the day has arrived. I've been waiting for this day my whole Christian life. We are called to anticipate the coming of the Lord and to live in that hope. This is another good test of living faith. This is another way of how, how true living faith looks, not only in the, in, in the life of a true believer, but how it should look in 
in a, a true living church. What do you mean? We're living in an age, and we have been in a, in a, in a, in a society that, that labels himself Christian, that are materialistic, and we know James just hit on this. We're after everything that we can get materialistically on this earth. We're self-seeking individuals. It's all about our enjoyment. It's all about our fulfillment. James hits on all this here in chapter 5. When, when you're seeking these things of the earth and that's your drive and the next blessing, you're not too concerned about the second coming. As a matter of fact, you're probably, you wouldn't mind if he postponed it another 10 years because you're living high on the hog right now enjoying yourself. Your drive, as James just said, is money. Your drive is the materialistic things of this world. He's saying, listen here, uh, faithful ones, be patient. For the coming of the Lord. Don't be like these rich oppressors that are doing you wrong. Their God is money. You be anticipating the coming of your God. They're oppressing you now. They're doing you wrong now. But understand that this is all temporary. we got to check our heart. Listen, if, if you've got to have a drive and a desire anticipating the second coming of the Lord. Unless your materialistic goodies on this planet mean something to you. And I'm going to say it like this. Even your own children. It's a hard pill to swallow. But in comparison to Christ, it shouldn't even compare. He continues on. The coming of the Lord. This is very interesting when he says here that the Greek term actually means the coming with his presence. <laughs> this, this all just flows together. The coming with his presence. So what's the desire of the second coming? It's not just so that Jesus can rescue you from all the promises that we went over the essentials of the promises of paradise. Uh, but the fact is that when he comes, we're going to be in his presence. So he's saying here, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord, until the Lord returns with his presence. With his presence. This is the drive of a true believer. It's what, it, it's what ought to drive our heart above all, to be in the presence of the Lord. Romans 8.18 hits on this. He says, Paul says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be received in us. Do we understand that? As much as we go through here at this present age, as hard as it gets on this on this planet called Earth, it's not even worthy, he's saying here, not even worthy to be compared to what is in store for us when the Lord arrives. That's our hope. That's our blessed hope. And it's such a promised hope that's got an insurance and a guarantee of the Spirit of God that's within inside of us, it's a reality that we can grab a hold of. It's a, it's a tangible, practical means that we can use to, to allow us to remain patient during these trials. 
This is what Paul was referring to. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I want us to read that one. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Is everybody still with me? Let's, let's start here with verse 16. Chapter 4, verse 16. Therefore we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far exceedingly and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. This is the same thought that is mentioned here in 2 Corinthians. We don't look at, our focus isn't on the trial that we're going through, the hostile people that we're having to deal with. Our hope is in the second coming of our Lord and being in His presence. That's what we put our hope in. And so when you're going, you may be going through it now. You may be going through a difficult time now. Just understand that this is but for a moment. At any at any given time, this can all end and the Lord can be here. See, but do we really believe that? Let's be honest. And it's not, it's not a holier-than-thou shaking of the finger at you if you don't. I have to be convicted and reminded as we're going through this, this epistle that it's not about making plans and doing this and doing that. It's all by God's will and understanding that at any given moment, our Lord and Savior has made us a promise that is that it seems like way overdue now that He is coming back for His church. He's coming back uh, for that glorious day that we all anticipate. That changes the way you live. That it very simply, he, he, he continues on here in verse 7, See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it, re till it receives the early and the latter rain. It's very simple. It's just an example that he's given. There's no hidden message there. The farmer waits patiently because he, does not, he doesn't see it physically, but he knows what he has planted and he knows the, the process that takes place and he waits patiently to see that. And we see that, that James here repeats this again. He repeats the same exhortation here in verse 8. He goes on and he says, i got to get there. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. He reiterates this, this exhortation. It's very possible as we know as we read through this great epistle that that the people, the, the believers that James was writing to were obviously impatient. They were getting impatient. Things weren't getting any better. The, the situation was getting worse. The persecution was getting worse. James is telling them, as he's telling us here today, be patient. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 says, And let us not grow weary while doing good. How do we grow weary while doing good? You're trying to live the Christian life. You're trying to do the right things. You try to treat people right. And you don't always get treated right back. You don't always get justifiably treated back as you treat others. But he says, don't let that, don't let 
let that uh, uh, make you give up or don't let that discourage you. Do not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Man, we can get all the way knee deep into this. The, the doctrine here of intimacy is the living is living in a consistent, constant expectation of the returning of our Lord. Constant. It's always on your mind. You live living in this expectation. As I see this and understand it better now, it it impacts our lives. It impacted me. How does it impact it? Because if we live in the light of the fact that Jesus could come back at any given moment, at any given moment Jesus could come back, we want to make sure when that time happens that we're doing something that we want to be found doing. Oh, Lord. This kind of anticipation affects your whole being here. We must learn to live in the light of His coming. There's another means that James given us here, of, a second means of being, of being able to endure these trials and be patient with people as we're going through these trials is recognize the Lord's judgment. We must recognize the Lord's judgment. Let's go on to verse 9. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, Least you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. <laughs> and when we read, when, I know for me, when I read verse 9, at its surface it appears that James just totally came out of left field here. <laughs> what are you talking What? Do not grumble against one another. Okay, brethren. He's talking about grumbling against each other. Least you be condemned before the judge is standing at the door. And... and to better understand this portion of Scripture, we must look into the history here. Look into the history. It makes it makes this a, a lot easier to understand what James is getting and the flow that James is, is, is writing here to these to these scattered believers. In those in those days, we we know about the courts. We we James mentions them a few times throughout his epistle. But in this time, there there these courts were operated. There were judgment halls. And these judgment halls had these great double doors or gates, so to say, in front of them to that, that, that entered into the chambers. And this is, these are the big doors that the judge would, would enter into, into the courts uh, when court was in session. Everybody sat down, everybody got ready, and then when court was getting ready to be in session, these big doors were open, and the judge would come through these big doors. And they were elaborate just to give the illusion, the grand gender of, of the magnificence of this judge. So it was a very emotional thing. It was set up and staged just that way. And so James is using a concept here we see in verse 9 that they would understand. Okay, because we don't know the history, we may not get it until we dig into it. But these received, those, these that were receiving this letter understood what he was talking about here. James paints to them a picture of Christ about to push the double doors open of judgment. 
his second coming, the, the judgment of Christ was embarking upon the church. He said, listen, you've got to, you've got to be patient and live in expectation of the coming of the Lord and know that if you retaliate and do what the Lord don't want you to do, there is a judgment. Don't forget, people, there's a judgment coming. The judge stands at the door as we speak at any given moment ready to open them to call court in session. And they pictured this, a vivid reminder of this great judgment that was headed their way. Another practical reason to know and to help us, to push us, to remain patient. God, our great judge, will come and judge not only the wicked, but the righteous. So knowing this, it should elevate our service to the Lord. What do you want him to catch you doing? Do you want him to catch you fighting with people? Retaliating? We all must stand before this judgment seat. And James, James warns them not to murmur. Because they were murmuring. They were complaining. Anybody know any complainers? Anybody know any murmurs and complainers and whiners? Not in here, right? It's at that other church we know them. It's just a reality. Like people that are going through a difficult time in life, um, it, it can get you so frustrated. It can get you so bitter. I think the bigger the trial, the bigger the problem, uh, the bigger the bigger the struggle. I think people just tend to get frustrated and irritable, and it's a natural reaction to become impatient. We lose patience. We lose it. Not only, not only do we lose patience with those that are persecuting us, those that are doing us wrong, but we lose patience with everybody around us. You lose patience with your family, your kids, your spouse. You lose patience with those Christians that are just trying to come help you, man, and you snap at them. You're going through a difficult time, and yes, we all do. You walk through the church, and you're all depressed, and you got that, that mugshot look on you, man, like it's all over you, like... Like we used to say, oh, who did it and what for? Remember that, Maria? You have that look on you all the time. And someone, hey, God bless you. And you give, they give you that look like, oh, excuse, excuse me all over RBC if you don't mind. You know what I mean? Not, I'm just giving you an example here. Nobody does that here. But we, it get, this is how trials get us. We get irritable. We get impatient. We lose it. This, again, is a sign of is not a good sign of one that has true genuine faith. So he's telling them, quit murmuring, quit complaining, quit walking around like you're, you know, got sour grapes all over you. Put your head up high. Know who your Lord is. Jesus is coming back for us, church. Get your act together. Don't let him catch us acting like this. A third means that to accomplish being patient in, in during trials, with, especially with people, is follow the Lord's servant. Look what he goes on here to say in verse 10. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. If you're going through an affliction right now, if you're going, if you're dealing with some, some difficult people right now, um, you're going through it right now, um, you need, we need a model, right? We, we often got people that we look up to. We often got people that we counsel with and we get advice from. But if you need someone, James is saying here, if, if you need a model here, then take the example of the prophets. 
So what, who are these prophets that he's talking about? Well, looking in the history and finding out about the courts and stuff, you got the heritage of the Jews at this time. And because of that, we know that he's identifying with the prophets by the Old Testament prophets. This is who he's referring to. And we know this because of the heritage of the Jews at this specific time. So he's basically telling them, you know, think about Moses. Think about Moses who endured a, 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 such a, re, a rebellious people yet remained faithful and remained humble. He had the opportunity to use his, his stature, but he didn't. Um, you think of people like David that were hunted by this madman Saul like, a, like an animal in the mountains. Hunted down, done unrightfully, done unjustly like, if it, like in no one's business. Was, un, was being done, treated, was treated wrongly by this man, but yet he waited and he trusted God. Hebrews says this, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses, very familiar, right? Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Well, this great crowd, I've always wondered what this, this great crowd of witnesses are the heroes of the faith. These are the heroes of the faith that the prophets were a part of. So this is what this is what James is saying. They, these people were patient. They ran with endurance. They ran with patience, and they were believing God with their faith. So James is saying, likewise, just as the heroes of the faith remain patient with the current situation that you're going through. There's another means, another practical means that James gives us that would give us that would give us the push and the ability to endure these trials especially with people that persecute us in these trials, is understand the Lord's blessing. We've got to understand the Lord's blessing. Let's, let's get to the end here. It says in verse 11, Indeed, we count them blessed to endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and have seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Understand the Lord's blessing. People who are going through a trial that are especially caused by other people are considered blessed by God when they endure. They're considered blessed by God when they endure. We'll see this. You would follow this through as a chain throughout Scripture. This brings us to a very powerful truth here that I want to, that I jumped out of my skin. And I, I, I have been taught this for years Maria by Rich. And when I heard this and I read reading into this, I, oh, it, it took a whole new meaning to me. <laughs> See, James was talking about this the whole time. It's a very powerful truth that it's not preached in too many self-seeking churches. Too many, it's not preached in too many places. We don't hear it. We very rarely hear it. And I would hear it from a man and I never heard it in church. I never heard it from anyone else because it was all about blessing this and blessing that. And But true blessings in life, true blessings of the Lord, they don't come to people who accomplish great things. Wait a minute. If I'm doing, if I'm doing a work for the Lord, I'm not getting blessed. No, it's not what I'm saying. True blessings, what James is touching on here, when he says to learn how to, how to practice faith, understand the blessing of the Lord here. 
True blessings don't come to people who do great things. Even for the Lord. I know I'm messing some of you up here. But the true blessing that is above everything else that we can receive as a reward for doing good, which we do get, true blessings of God that James is hitting here comes to people who endure great things. You've got to grab a hold of that. You've got to understand that and because it's going to take a while for it to register because it doesn't feel like that. When you do something good that's worthy of the Lord and you get a blessing, it's great. But an even greater blessing is when we go through hell and endure it the blessing that comes from that, you can't even compare it. The greater the battle, the greater the blessing. Remember that. You'll learn that in this life's journey. And this is the thought that James is giving here. Brothers, you are in store for the greatest blessing of your life if you just endure. Remain patient. This is the thought of what James is saying here. God blesses those who endure the trials of this life. And especially when you're patient with people that have done you wrong. And you take the higher road in the love of God and remain patient with them. Another final means here. Among many more is... What he's talking about here in verse 11 is understand the Lord's purpose. In verse 11 he says, You have heard of the perseverance of Job and have seen the end intended by the Lord. He uses Job here. He uses Job because at this time and in this era with, these, with the Jews, Job was probably one of the most popular, familiar stories of the Jewish people of this time. The this, this was a story, you all know, the story of Job was a story of a righteous man. A story of a righteous man that, was, that endured a wrongful suffering. And the story of a passionate God. We see this in the story of Job. The Jewish people loved this story. This was a hero of the faith to them. And they loved it how Job endured because he saw the purpose of God. And if Job can get through what he got through... By looking and ahead of the purpose of God, I think we can with the minor afflictions, the major, the, the little small afflictions that we go through in today's life. He says here to finish off, he says, you know the patience of Job and you have seen the purpose of the Lord. God had a promise. God had a promise and a purpose in mind for this man, Job. And James is saying, look at him. Look what he did. Kept his eye on the purpose of God. And the final means here is consider the Lord's character. Consider, consider his constant. Consider his character. Here it says the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Very compassionate and very merciful. And he brings us up because I can I can relate to him. When we go through a trial in life, we often sometimes question that. Lord, it's not supposed to be this way. 
Lord, maybe, I don't know, maybe this all this Christian stuff really isn't what it's made out to be. I don't know if you ever hit something that low, but at a point in my life where I thought out, you know, ain't nothing going to get me off the rock. I can remember those feelings. I never in my life remember being angry, truly angry at God until turmoil hit. <laughs> Didn't make sense. was mad, upset. So we begin to question the character of God. He brings this out. We got to realize that that God is a passionate God, right? God is a tender God. God is a merciful God. He's full of mercy. Consider the Lord's character. So as you go through these trials that are often afflicted by other people, maybe it's a trial with your family tonight, right? Maybe it's a trial and you're going through a marriage trial. Maybe maybe it's a financial trial you're going through, um, an employment trial. Um, whatever it may be, just understand tonight as we have gone through this great epistle that it comes with the territory. These struggles come with the territory, but how are you going to deal with it? That's the question. How are you going to deal with it? Let me recap these we got to start by living in the anticipation of the Lord's coming. Make that your focus. The Lord's coming back. This is what I'm waiting for. God, when you come back, man, I want a good and faithful servant. Come too far, man, to mess up now. Recognize the Lord's judgment. Follow the Lord's servants. Follow the Lord's examples. Understand the Lord's blessing. Understand the Lord's purpose in that trial. And most importantly, understand the Lord's character. Let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for the patience of the people. But Father, we trust that you would do the follow-up that needs to be done. Father, we, we skipped over so much, but we trust that you would that you would encourage your flock here, that you would encourage the, the family members, the brother and the sisters to follow up. Let's not let this pass by. Father, understand that all that are here within the sound of our voice are accountable. Right now, you're thinking of someone. You're thinking of people that you haven't been patient with. Some of those people haven't even done you wrong. You don't have patience with them. But you may be, just as James is addressing, you may be thinking about those people that have done you wrong. And you retaliated with a vengeful heart. Deep in your heart, you wished ill upon them. Well, let's get it right tonight. It's a true sign of genuine faith that those that would be patient with people that have done them wrong not to retaliate Father help us here tonight we've come tonight to receive from you which we have now it's up to all of us here just as James wrote in his great letter to put to practice what's taught tonight thank you until we can meet again protect your people watch over as always the children of RBC protect them the newborns the children running around out of school Keep them from harm's way. 
such an evil world out there. Protect them tonight. Protect the family members of RBC as they travel back and to and fro till we meet again. In Jesus' name, we're all in agreement with that. Amen. God bless you.